Welcome to Roast Magazine audio articles. Roast focuses on coffee from a technical perspective, covering the art, science, and business of coffee roasters. Presenting The Sensory Evaluation of Coffee Sensory Science Principles in Action by Olivia Uhl and John Xavier Guinard. In an industry that revolves around flavor, sensory evaluation is of vital importance. In recent years, there has been much conversation about sensory science within coffee. But what is sensory science? How does it compare to the cupping system? And how does one know when to use which method? What follows is an adapted version of a presentation we gave at the 2019 Coffee Roasters Guild Sensory Summit called Applied Sensory Science and Consumer Research Principles. Cupping. The purpose of cupping, according to the Specialty Coffee Association Cupping Protocol, is the determination of the cupper's perception of quality. Cupping fits in among the many quality-based grading schemes for agricultural products. Others include dairy products, olive oil, and wine. These grading programs were designed in the mid-20th century to identify well-known defects and, in some cases, to incentivize prized sensory characteristics. For example, to be deemed extra virgin, an olive oil must be free of defects, such as rancid, fusty, or whiny, and show ripe and or green fruitiness, and some bitterness and or pungency. In the rating of quality on 100-point scales, or the awarding of medals to food or beverage commodities, expert judges usually focus on five elements to come up with their ratings. The absence of defects, trueness to style, the presence of desirable sensory attributes, their balance, and the complexity they impart to the product. However, it remains that a number, such as a score of 92 points on a 100-point scale, as accurately as it may give a sense of the quality of the product, does not begin to document its sensory profile or predict if a consumer will like it. In fact, many consumers prefer olive oils that experts would consider defective. Hence the need for analytical and effective sensory evaluation methods as well. Coffee quality is a composite of many different factors. Many of these are somewhat objective, like acidity, but several of them are derived from preference rather than something measurable. Evaluating quality is a mix of descriptive and hedonic tasks. Because of this, quality is difficult to represent on a mathematically valid scale. It is also important to keep in mind that expert evaluation, which is typically performed through cupping, does not predict consumer preference when it comes to brewed beverages. Many coffee professionals have experienced a shift in taste preferences as they become intimately familiar with the cup's complexities and develop propensities for certain types of coffees. These opinions can be based on different factors and emotions, including a familiarity with their own sourced and inventory coffees on a daily basis. Their preferences are not necessarily representative of their customers' tastes, so we should use caution in extrapolating the perceptions of a cupper to those of a consumer. Cupping has become an all-purpose tool in the coffee industry. It is used to select coffees for roast profiles, to create blends, to identify defects, to monitor production runs, to communicate between roaster, importer, and farmer, to set green prices, and to compare coffees for competitions like Cup of Excellence. When the SCA cupping form was introduced in the early 2000s, it was meant to establish a common language and facilitate better communication about quality. In many ways, it has served the specialty coffee industry well. 
However, there are some purposes the cupping form does not serve. For example, it is difficult to analyze the tasting notes from cupping on a large scale, particularly across companies, locations, and countries. Let's take, for example, the International Multilocation Variety Trial that World Coffee Research is currently conducting. World Coffee Research has planted diverse varieties of coffee in locations around the world and is looking at multiple measures of plant health to see which genetics perform best in which environments. A key component of performance in the specialty coffee context is cup quality. It might seem like we could get a team of highly experienced cuppers, such as Q-graders, to evaluate these coffees for attributes and score. However, because of the nature of the cupping scale, it is difficult to draw meaningful statistical conclusions from the data. Cupping falls short of the rigor needed for a large-scale, replicable research study. To answer the high-stakes questions facing coffee today, we need to expand our collection of sensory tools. Sensory science. Sensory science was developed partly as a response to quality grading systems. As the variables in food became more numerous and the focus shifted from the expert to the consumer, sensory science enabled a more thorough understanding of product characteristics and acceptability. Sensory science trades the experience and well-developed palate of an expert cupper for a panel of tasters. Sensory science establishes a paradigm for which people should be asked what questions. If the question is, what would consumers think of this, consumers are queried. If the question requires a fine-tuned palate, sensory scientists ask tasters who have demonstrated sensory acuity. The results are submitted for statistical analysis to determine how confident we can be in the output. It has also become standard practice to track the performance of panelists over time, ensuring that the tasters are evaluating products accurately. Sensory scientists often say they're in the business of reducing risk. Applying validated statistical techniques to tasting data enables more informed decision-making for a business. Since the discipline's inception, its tools have been repeatedly developed and refined. Standards organizations like the American Society of Testing and Materials and the International Standards Organization are continually updating and revising methods to harmonize global best practices. If you can think of a sensory-related question, there is likely a validated method to answer it. The principle is similar to coffee industry standards, to create a uniform way of working. These methods fall into two broad categories, analytical and effective, also known as hedonic. Within the analytical category, we differentiate between discriminative and descriptive methods. Discriminative tests are about identifying a difference between samples. The triangle test is one example of this. We'll focus in this article on descriptive testing. Descriptive analysis. Descriptive analysis is a set of methods meant to provide a comprehensive characterization of a product. Several variations exist, including flavor profile, spectrum descriptive analysis, quantitative descriptive analysis, and others and each has its benefits. We'll speak broadly about the category, but keep in mind that the details vary by method. The standard process of descriptive analysis is as follows. First, the right panelists must be selected. A panel is generally made up of about 10 to 15 people who have been screened for their sensory acuity. 
They have passed a series of tests to validate their ability to identify differences between products, to rank intensity, and to describe their flavor experiences. Other factors like scheduling availability and group dynamics are also considered when choosing panelists. Once the panel has been selected, the panelists are trained. This process takes about 100 hours, depending on the variation of descriptive analysis that is used. Panelists are trained to recognize and rate specific attributes in a highly precise manner, almost like a human analytical instrument. Next, a lexicon is created for a product category through panel discussion. A lexicon is essentially a sensory dictionary containing flavor-related terms, their precise definitions, and references that exemplify them. The World Coffee Research Lexicon, as represented by the Specialty Coffee Association Coffee Tasters Flavor Wheel, is an example of this. It is like a coffee flavor dictionary. You'll notice that each term has a precise definition and specific reference. This is to create a common technical language across time and locations. The lexicon for a product category is meant to represent the entire space of that category. If a panel were creating a lexicon for vanilla extract, for example, they would taste all kinds of vanilla-flavored products, vanilla extracts from different origins, different processing variables, and so on, to make sure everything encompassed by the term vanilla was captured. When performing a test, a subset of that lexicon would be used, including only the terms that are found in the samples being rated. This subset of terms would be included on a paper or electronic ballot, which includes a scale for intensity of each attribute. Once the lexicon and ballot are developed, the panel begins rating samples. The samples, tasting environment, and tasting procedure are all standardized as much as possible. Samples are presented in a balanced order and labeled with three-digit codes, so the panelist is unaware of sample identities. Somewhat like a certified cupping lab, the room itself is also kept within certain parameters to minimize variation. The first few rating sessions are to assess whether the panel is performing well. We assess this with three measures, agreement, discrimination, and reproducibility. Agreement. Do the panelists rate the products similarly to other panelists? Discrimination. Can the panelists reliably tell the difference between products? Reproducibility. If the panelists are presented with the same sample more than once, do they rate it in the same manner each time? These measures, analyzed by a set of statistics defined in the American Society of Testing and Materials Standard E3000-18, allow the panel leader to isolate the areas in which the panel needs further training. After everyone is on the same page, the data collection begins. The data are then analyzed by statistical measures to give a comprehensive sensory map of the products. Importantly, the information from a descriptive analysis panel can be correlated to instrumental and consumer measures, giving us a comprehensive understanding of a product. Attributes, or the descriptors we use to identify components of flavor, are extremely important in descriptive analysis. There are several criteria that make a good attribute. One of them is singularity. The attribute should describe only one idea, not a mixture. For example, creamy could mean a texture, a cream-like flavor profile, a viscosity, or a mouth-coating quality. It would therefore not make a good attribute, 
as each panelist might understand it differently. We would instead break it into its component parts and rate those individually. In summary, descriptive analysis is a powerful method that uses statistical principles to draw detailed conclusions about the flavor profiles of products. To obtain reliable information, the panelists are trained continually and monitored for performance. The information gained from descriptive analysis can be correlated to consumer and instrumental or chemical analysis data, making it useful for research questions related to product characteristics. Consumer testing. Effective testing, in contrast, is performed with consumers who are not trained to evaluate objectively. In fact, the goal is not for them to be objective, but rather to find out how much they like a product, which product they prefer, or what's informing their purchase decisions. This information is used for many purposes, such as new product development, maintaining the profile of an existing product while updating an ingredient, assessing the market potential of a new concept, monitoring shelf life, understanding what factors are responsible for liking, and others. Consumers are also screened, but not for acuity. They are chosen for how well they represent a certain market segment. Consumer tests are divided into quantitative and qualitative categories. Consumer tests are divided into quantitative and qualitative categories. Quantitative tests measure to what degree something is liked, if it is just about right, which product is preferred and by what percentage of people, probability of purchase, and more. A technique known as preference mapping can help us understand the segments within a market and what attributes drive liking for these groups of consumers. We can use that information to optimize a product for a particular type of consumer or to create a new product for a consumer segment that isn't currently being served. Qualitative tests include techniques like focus groups, interviews, and ethnography, direct observation to understand the consumer's point of view. They are meant to draw out the narrative of a consumer's choices and values. How does the person use the product in their everyday environment? Do consumers customize the product in any way? What are the intangible factors that contribute to like or dislike? Are there needs that aren't being articulated or addressed? While descriptive techniques give objective information about the product itself, consumer research tells us about the human element of how people interact with the product. It can be used to understand who is buying the product, how it is perceived in context, and how much it is liked. Practical tips for sensory evaluation. Regardless of the sensory method used, the goal is to reduce the noise of variability, someone having a bad day, environment, etc. to amplify the signal of the true sensory attributes we want to measure. The following are best practices to apply to any tasting context. Number one, code samples. Avoid the influence of preconceptions on sensory judgments by concealing sample identity. Number two, balance presentation order. Palate fatigue and sample carryover can affect scores. Ensure that everyone tastes in a different order to reduce this effect. Number three, replicate your judgments. Taste each coffee more than once, preferably in different sittings. Compare your ratings between the sessions. Are you consistent in your evaluation? If not, what attributes do you struggle with the most? Make these a focus of your continuing palate development. Number four, rinse between samples. The best palate cleansers are water and time. We often evaluate many samples on a cupping table. 
but even the most experienced taster is not immune to fatigue and buildup. Take your time to make sure your judgments are accurate. Number five, track your performance over time. The more you know about your strengths and weaknesses, the better information you can get. It is also really gratifying to know you're improving. Number six, calibrate to reference standards. The World Coffee Research Lexicon, Lene du Café, Scent One, and Flavor Active are great resources. If you want to start simpler, go to the grocery store and buy produce and spices that have flavor notes in common with coffee to build your sensory memory. Taste references with your team to make sure you're all on the same page and to expand your mental flavor library. Number seven, discuss and debrief. Even the most experienced taster can learn from others' perceptions. Discussion helps ensure your team is aligned and that you capture the sensory experience from many angles. Try to let the least experienced taster start the discussion and emphasize that everyone's opinion counts. Number eight, train as many tasters as possible. More people, more information. Reducing reliance on one golden palate or the same few tasters is also a good idea. What happens when that person retires, gets sick, or leaves the company? What if they have an off day when you need to make a critical business decision? Employing a well-trained team of tasters sets your business up for continuity. Most importantly, you can do this. Think of how you felt the first time you approached a cupping table compared to how you feel now. Learning new tools takes time and effort, but becomes intuitive. Beginning to understand and apply sensory science concepts can give roasters powerful insight into their products and customers, facilitating wise business decisions. Olivia Uhl is a sensory scientist at Synergy Flavors in Chicago. She earned a master's degree in food science from the University of Minnesota, specializing in flavor chemistry, and holds bachelor's degrees in biochemistry and Spanish. Her passion for specialty coffee led to a career in sensory science, and she enjoys working at the intersection between the two. She has curated the RICO Symposium Sensory Experience Room for the past two years and has spoken about descriptive analysis and coffee quality grading at Expo, Sensory Summit, and Sensory Forum Taiwan. Jean-Xavier Guinard is Professor of Sensory Science and co-director of the Coffee Center at the University of California, Davis. This article originally appeared in Roast Magazine's September-October 2019 issue. To subscribe to the print edition of Roast or purchase a copy of past issues, visit roastmagazine.com. This audio article was narrated by Lily Kubota, recorded and produced by Upright Recording Studio, and published by Roast Magazine. 